man, victory's not a word we use enough. <laughs> we should, but man, I don't know what it is. Sometimes we, I think very often, man, we look at the broken and the stuff that needs to be fixed, and we forgot that so much has already been fixed already. And uh, man, some days we just, God, we need to just sit and celebrate that. But anyway, that's a side note. Thank you guys for leading us in worship. I love that new song. Really good. Uh, my name is Matthew. If I haven't gotten to meet you, um, one of the pastors here. And uh, today we are wrapping up a series. So it's been fun. We've been kind of in this Who We Are series for a while now, a couple months. And we've just kind of been talking about who we are as a church, like at a DNA level, um, and, and what that means. And so today, I'll be honest, my, my goal is to be quick. Um, my part is going to be fast. And then we're going to have some other people that are parts of this church that are in leadership uh, just kind of tell you, man, what, what can you do? Where can you jump in? Uh, what's needed? Um, and so that's the goal. So over the past several weeks, we've been talking about this idea that as a church, as Origins Greenville, our goal is to make disciples who love God, love one another, love the city. And we've taken each one of those ideas and we've just tried to uh, look in Scripture, why we say that we need to do that, what does it mean to make disciples, what is a disciple, what does it mean when we say love God, love one another, love the city. Um, and today we're going we're gonna to do our best to put boots to it and just to see, see where it takes us. And so if you have your Bibles, which I would encourage you to bring every week, we stick it up on the screen uh, for those of you who don't bring your Bibles. But if you have one, bring it. If you want to use it on your phone, that's great too. But, but for me, I'll just be honest, there's something about me that wants to hold a Bible that I can write in and highlight stuff. It's, it's good for me, um, and I'm not going to impose that on you, but what I will say, it'll probably be good for you too. Um, so feel free. And if you don't have one, we have them on the back table back there. You can take it, write your name in it, make it yours. You can get it embossed. We'll do it for you. Uh, man, we'll, we'll give you like one of three different translations and say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Easter, all those things in one shot. So if you need one of those, let me know. So if you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 12, it's also going to be up on the screen in just a moment um, to kind of tell you where this passage is in light of the book of Romans really quickly. Uh, Paul has basically been giving a theological discourse to the people at Rome for the past 11 chapters. Uh, some of the heaviest chapters in all of Scripture uh, are the preceding four from here, and, and they're just deep, they're weighty, um, they bring about like inner turmoil in us, they do all of these things if we've been following Jesus for a while. But in chapter 12, he begins to make a shift. And so he goes from like lecturing on theologically who we are in Jesus, because of Jesus, through Jesus, to Jesus, for Jesus, to now what do we do? Very similar to what we're talking about today. Like, we've talked about who we are, why we are who we are today, what do we do? And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to read the first eight verses, then we're going to come back and kind of just talk about those. And, and let me pray first, because I'm, man, I am, uh, I don't know how jacked up I am, but I'm pretty jacked up, and uh, I'm excited, man. I, I was praying in the truck this morning on the way over, and uh, Man, there's just, I, 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 I'm very hesitant to use the word prophet. It's going to be in here. Um, but I feel like there, there's somebody here that needs to hear this today. I don't know who you are, but you need to hear this today. And God's going to ask you to do something. And so my, my prayer is this. Just stop for a minute before we go any further and just be honest and say, God, if you want me to hear from you today, man, give me ears to listen. And give me the boldness to do it. Okay, I'm going to give you a minute. You just, if, you're, if you want to, you pray that, and then I'll, I'll pray and we'll, we'll jump in. Today, God, we have victory. 
Mm. Praise the name of Jesus. We have victory. Today, God, I pray that uh, if there's a heart sitting here today that does not, they hear that they can in Jesus and only Jesus. Thank you, God, for your son. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we pray for our family members who are sick today. I know there are several. Um, I can't name them all, but I know that Olivia Sinopoli and their kid and uh, kid-to-be is sick. I know, uh, I, God, I know that David Bonner is sick. I know that there are others. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, uh, uh, that you would lift them up, that you would heal them because that is who you are and what you do. Um, God, and I pray as a family we would be reminded frequently to pray for them like we talked about last week. God, I pray for this, this message today, your word, your scripture, uh, your voice to us. God, I pray that we would hear it, that it would speak. Um, and God, for those of us who need to take a step in faith, that we would. Thank you for loving us dearly. Um, thank you for sending Jesus. And it's in his son's name we are expectant and we ask great things. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul is speaking to a group of people who have already declared their faith in Jesus. He's been giving them this, this, this huge discourse on who they are, who God is, how it all happened. And then he says this, and it's very, it is, it's very just docile language in the transliteration of English, but let me read it to you and then we'll, I'll tell you exactly what he's saying. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, he says, But do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say uh, to anyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, if one teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness." And so he's saying over the past several chapters, who, this is who we are, this is what God has done, this is how we need to think about it. And so today he says this, he says, go back to verse 1. In English it just says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters. In Greek and in Paul, this is what he would have been saying. He's like, I am begging you, I am pleading with you, I am wrapping the lasso of truth around you like Wonder Woman, that's a terrible reference, and I am pulling you, I am begging you, I am doing everything that I can in my power, through my words, through the gifting that God is giving me, I am saying, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Now to us, there's not a lot of weight there because we've been removed from the sacrificial system for a long time. It hasn't been a part of us, but these folks, even believers in Rome who were heavily influenced by Greek culture and everything, they would have remembered what a sacrifice would look like. They would have remembered an unblemished lamb, the best from their flock, being taken and killed, and that sacrifice would be dead, never to come back. But they knew it was a price to be paid, a price to be laid on the altar for the glory of God. They would have known that. Here, Paul is flipping it. He's like, I am begging you. I am pleading with you. Please, as your spiritual father to my spiritual children, please lay your lives on the altar of Jesus. They knew Jesus. 
They had declared their faith in Jesus, but here he's like, you've heard everything, you've understood everything, now I'm telling you, give it all. Give it all. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, like, uh, you know, what does it mean to love God? And we, we went, and when the scribe asked Jesus, he was like, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He's like, love the Lord your God, or Shema Yisrael, hero Israel, love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, with all. And the over-encompassing word was that A-L-L. We talked about in Greek, in Hebrew, and Aramaic. It all means the same thing, all, every bit, all-encompassing. Paul's saying the same thing here. He's like, look, now that you know, now that you've declared, man, lay your lives at the altar of Jesus and say, whatever I have, it's yours. Take it, use it, send it, kill it, I don't care. Just here is my life. And contrary to what they had seen, a sacrifice that would be dead for the glory of God, he says now, a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God only through Jesus, uh, and this is how we worship. We just give God everything. In a culture that is defined by compartmentalization, this is crazy. To say that I'll live my home life for Jesus, but my work life, that's business. Business is different. Man, in a political season, and I'm not going to get political. But, I mean, in a political season, we can say, well, I believe this, but I'm going to vote for this. He says, no, no, no. I appeal to you. I'm begging you. Give everything. Every single facet, every single aspect, every single ink and nod, every single bit. And it wasn't so sterile to say, "I, I appeal to you. He said, no, I beg you. I beg you, in light of God's mercies, in light of what he's done, which is ridiculous, give all. Now to these people, most of them had already declared their faith in Jesus. So just like us, most of you sitting in here have declared your faith for Jesus, okay? You've said, yes, uh, I, I, I believe, I believe, and, and I want to be Jesus. But here's the thing, same thing for them is same thing for us. Yes, we believe and we're justified. Yes, we confess and we're forgiven. But still, there, still there's that issue of all. All. So hard. Because we're good with parts. Jesus doesn't want parts. He wants all. Because of what's at stake. There's more at stake than me. There's more at stake than you. Like we talked about last week, in order to love this city so that we see the kingdom grow as a result of the gospel that is alive and present in the stories and in the lives of believers, it's going to take more than parts. It's just the reality of the call. There's more at stake, and it's going to take more than parts. It will take all. He says, so I appeal to you, I beg you, I I just try to pull you along, brothers and sisters of Delphi, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to God, and this is your spiritual act of worship. And I I know the very next question that he was anticipating is they were going to say, okay, you're telling us to do that, that's great, but how? But how? Before I get to the how, let me me go ahead and throw this out there. Here's the thing that I, I think we need to hear all of this that this passage is saying, but here's the thing that just is sitting on me. I think before some of us can even move on to verse 2, we need to go back to Romans 10 just briefly and hear this. 
Romans 10, uh, 8 through 13, it says, uh, but what does it say? Talking about the word that was given, it says the word is near, it's near you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with one heart one believes and is justified and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches riches on all who call on him. I have no doubt in my mind that someone's sitting here, man, you just need to give your life to Jesus. You've been sitting, you've been waiting, you've been saying, one day I'll do it. Hey, today, today is it. The scripture just says we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he would do, and then we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I will give him everything. You're sitting here, and you just need to stop fighting, and you need to give your life to Jesus. The wait is over. The rewards are waiting, and it's not wealth, uh, providence, and all of those things. No, it's just God. Maybe today is the day you just need to say, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of saying tomorrow I'll fix things and just say, Jesus, I believe. I want you to be my Lord. If the weight of the gospel and of salvation of those who are near us is removed from us, this church is useless. We should shut our doors. We should close our bank accounts. We should cease to exist. Believe in your heart and confess Jesus as Lord and let him radically and utterly destroy you so that he can make you. And it's this simple. And if I stop right here, I'm fine, but it's this simple. You know that you have sinned and you have erred in the sight of God. And you say, God, I've done it. The responsibility is on me. I don't want to do it anymore. And then you just believe in your heart and confess, Jesus, I know that you, you died on that cross so that I could give my sin away. I trust you to take it. And not only take my sin, Jesus, but take my life. I lay it down at your altar. Make it yours. I believe that you and only you can make me right with God. And if you can say that with your mouth, and you can say it in your heart, and you can believe it, man, the victory that we claim, it can be yours. You too can hold on to it for eternity because God's holding you. Today, today, we're going to take communion in a bit. Maybe today, for the first time, you can take communion as someone who's part of the family of God just by saying those things and believing in your heart that Jesus and only Jesus can save you. The question that would have rested before verse 2, and if you want to talk to me afterwards about what I just said, man, I'd love to. I'd love to. You can do it right there, though. You don't have to talk to a pastor. It's just between you and God. But anyway... The question that would have rested before they could move on when he said, hey, I want you to lay your life at the altar, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, their question would have been, okay, but how? How do I do that? Verse 2, he says, okay, here's how. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He said, yeah, okay. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, lasso of truth, do this. How? Stop putting yourself in the jello mold of this world. I mean, that's the, best, that's the best visual I can think of. Like, what we do is we let the world define our shape. 
It is. It's like those magical jello molds. I don't understand. It's gelatin. You, you just pour a liquid in there, then you dump it out, and it's that exact shape. It's crazy. You could, yeah, anyway, sorry. I don't even like jello, but jello molds fascinate me. What we've allowed ourselves to do is we've allowed ourselves to let the time, the culture, the age define our shape, define the way that we love, define the way that we're generous, define the way that we do everything, define the way that we serve. We've been pouring ourselves in the jello mold of the world too long. He says, no, 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 don't do that anymore. Pour, your, pour yourself in the jello mold that is Jesus. Let him define your shape. Let him tell you who you are. Let him tell you what to do. Let him tell you this is the course of your life. Let him change your mind, but not just change your mind like, ooh, I didn't like beats before, but now I do. No, no, no. Like change your mind. Radically wreck and reshape your brain. Only God. Maybe he needs to reshape our brain about what we think salvation actually looks like. Maybe that's for you, going back to that first verse, actually confessing Jesus as Lord. What does that even mean? Repenting of my sin. Yes, it's a process, but it's a choice that God is imploring us to make. Maybe you need to understand, I need to choose Jesus. Based on his pulling, I need to choose Jesus. Maybe it's God needs to radically transform the way we think about church. Maybe you're, you're one of the minority here that actually did grow up in the church, and you think that church should look a certain way, but you're starting to think, maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe church has jack squat to do with a building. Maybe church has jack squat to do with a budget. Maybe church is all about the people of God that he has redeemed and he is equipped for a mission. Absolutely. Maybe God needs to change your mind. Stop letting the world mold and shape who we are. Instead, let God, through Jesus and the indwelling spirit of God that he promises us, shape us, make us, direct us. He said, and then this, this is how you lay your bodies on that altar and say, my life Forfeit for yours, Jesus. Living sacrifice, breathing in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus, to Jesus, so that a world who is dying without him can hear. So that your neighbors, your coworkers, your kids, your parents can hear. Not just the make me better, Jesus, but the make me new, Jesus. Maybe God needs to change your mind on what it means to be a husband or to be a wife or to be a mom or to be a dad or to be an employee. We can't let the world tell us those things. It has to be God if we want to lay our lives on that altar. Maybe he needs to change our mind on what we do when we're a part of a church, that we don't just show up and sit. There are seasons in which you need to. There are seasons of healing. There are seasons of growth. Yes, you come, you sit, you listen, you grow. But man, after that season ends, you know what you need to do? You need to get up. <laughs> it's time to do work. And it's not just on Sundays. I appreciate Sundays. We appreciate Sundays because it's special, it's unique, it's good, it's edifying, it is life-giving, it's all of those things, and the work that goes into this, huge. 7 a.m., John Stockland was here this morning. 7 a.m., in the cold. Eli beat me here. John beat me here. Because Sundays are special. They're special. Yeah, maybe you need to get up and do some work. Maybe those kids in there need to hear you on a Sunday. Maybe those kids need to hear what God has done in your life. Say, I don't have kids. I don't care. <laughs> a lot of those kids, man, I love to see Vea just run and grab Stephen this morning. Stephen, 
Steve and Kayla don't have kids, but Vea just runs in and she just wraps up his legs in those pink Wellington boots. Just wraps him up. Maybe you need to be like Kip Kaiser and say, you know what? You know when I really started to feel like I belonged and when I started to get it is when I started showing up and setting up a kid's room. Believe it or not, God has a purpose for our service. And it's not about you or me. But I'll stop being mean. Here's the next thing. Verse 3 says, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Maybe God needs to change your mind and say, you know what? You should probably think of other people before you think of yourself. Oh, snap. That's not American at all. Americanism says, I get mine. I'll worry about yours later, after I get mine. I don't think Scripture says that at all. Scripture says that uh, God says he'll take care of yours, but he's equipping you to take care of others. Maybe I ought not to think, maybe I not, ought not to think so highly of myself, and I should think of others first. The needs of others outweigh the needs of me. That's hard. And then he goes on with a little more instruction, and I need, I need to move. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, or one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. He says, look, we're one group, we're one family, we're one body. He said, we've got a bunch of different parts. And the way that this is going to work best is when all parts, differing as they can be, are doing their job, doing their role, according to the faith given to them. He says, God has made this beautiful uh, mosaic of a body with so many different, crazy, ridiculous people. And his plan is that it works great when every crazy, ridiculous, amazing person is doing their part. And you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you read the whole, like, the big list of spiritual gifts. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And if you go and you look at every one of them, you realize they're all tied to relationship. They all go give glory back to God. But if you saw a church in which every one of those things, a church body that every one of those things was being done, their city would miss them if they were gone. Their neighbors would miss them if they were gone. Um, huh. The orphan numbers would drop. The number of people that know Jesus would go up. Because that's how God designed it. That we work as a family for the kingdom. Everyone has a role. Everyone does it. But you know, in either one of those pictures... No one has the spiritual gift of sitting still. No one. There's the beautiful gifts of teaching and preaching and prophecy, and then there's the lesser gift of sitting on your booty. It's, it's not there. It doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, in John 4, we see this woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. She was considered a dog. You know, very often we think you need to mature before you can serve. The very first thing that she did, that after Jesus said, hey, uh, the one you're talking to, me, uh, I can offer you forgiveness and I can tell you everything that you've ever done. The very first thing that she did is she went and told everybody she knew. She didn't wait. She just said, I've got to share this now, now. So maybe we ought not to think so highly of ourselves. Maybe we have to understand that we're all one body. We all have different functions. So we, though many, verse 5, are on one body and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. And he gives a short list. Let us use them 
If prophecy, someone conveying truth uh, in proportion to our faith. If service, service is pretty understandable. We know what serving is. If it's, if it's service, it's your gift in our serving. If it's one who teaches, we get that in his teaching. If it's the one who exhorts or encourages, let us do that in their exhortation. If it's one who contributes or gives, let them do it in generosity. Give until it hurts, but they're going to bring joy. If it's one who leads, let them lead with zeal. If it's one who does acts of mercy or taking care of great needs, let them do it with cheerfulness. The bottom line is no one gets to sit. No one gets to sit. No one gets a pass just because your week was bad. And I'm not trying to guilt you into serving. I'm just trying to say this is exactly what Paul was telling the church in Rome who was filled with pagans. The city was filled with pagans. The city was filled with Christians being hung and killed, by the way, every day, burned on a stick. And he said no one gets a pass. In light of God's mercy, give your lives for the sake of Jesus while you're alive. And so that's your spiritual act of worship. And then, hey, let God change your mind. Like wreck it, change it, radically reshape it. And in doing so, you'll think of others first. In doing so, the gift that God has given you, you will use and you'll understand. It's not about importance or any of those things. It's about the kingdom. It's about the mission. Do what we can, while we can, as we can, when we can. No one gets a pass. Whew. I'm glad I'm not sitting out there this morning. I'd feel terrible. Don't feel terrible. That's not the goal. The goal is to see this. As a result of victory in Jesus, we have been granted access to serve. We've been granted access to live like we've already died and say, God, anything I have, it's yours. Anything I have, yours. My gifts, my desires, all yours. And, and I understand. Like, I'm like, I, I get it. I know inside the turmoil is, but I like my stuff. That's okay. But say, God, whatever I got, use it however you want. Use it however you want. Whenever you want. That open-handed mentality. What, what I got, you got. What you want. So this is today. I'm going to ask several of our folks to come up that uh, I've already talked to. Uh, Esteban's going to come up first. Stephen is going to come up first. When we were in Guatemala, it was Esteban. Um, Esteban, pardon me. I always emphasize the wrong syllable. Um, and so several of our folks are just going to come up and say, hey, if you're asking the question, what's next? What do you do next as part of this church? Uh, hopefully the next five people can answer that for you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Matthew. Um, what Matthew talked about this morning is honestly like the absolute greatest decision that you could ever make, ever. Better than what college to pick, better than what job to take, what city to live in. Greatest decision you can ever make is to give your life to Christ. And I would, and I would argue that the second biggest decision that you can make as a follower of Christ is to get involved in the local church and get involved with a family. Because to give all, and to give all like what Matthew was telling us to do this morning, there is, it is impossible to do that apart from getting involved and being a part of the local family of God. You cannot do it by yourself, and you weren't created to do that by yourself. I want to ask couple questions, and these aren't hypothetical questions. It requires participation. So uh, raise your hand if you are currently in a community group. Hands up. Man, 
It's awesome. Second question, raise your hand if, if you were not in a community group, if you would be here today. If you were not in a community group, you may not be a part of Origins today. A couple people, a couple people. If you were not in a community group, if you did not make a decision to join a community group, you might not be here this morning. Better. A little bit more hands. Sorry if I didn't phrase that clearly. Notice I'm raising my hand to both. Because uh, our story is we, Kaylin and I, my, my wife Kaylin and I, we, we walked into Origins a little over four years ago. We were still at Spill the Beans in downtown. And, thing, and the church was a little bit smaller then. So we, we wandered in as first-time guests uh, at Spill the Beans. And we, uh, that was kind of like our first, um, first kind of uh, experience with Origins. Like here at, here at Origins, it's, it's awesome because we kind of consider community group a second front door. You might come in here for a first time. That might be uncomfortable for you, and so you might feel more comfortable coming to a community group, um, meeting a couple people, and then coming on a Sunday, and so just kind of depending on your preference. And so we came to community group, or sorry, we came to Origins on a Sunday morning, didn't know anybody, uh, which was different for us because, you know, we, we grew up in the church, and so we were pretty comfortable. We were always kind of around people that we knew, and so this was different for us. We were moving into downtown Greenville, and so we wanted to find a church that honestly we could even walk to. And so this was, you know, it was close, um, but also through relationships and people that we trusted uh, kind of uh, steered us this way. And so we came, and, uh, and, and Sundays were great. We enjoyed Sundays. Uh, the music was, was great. Uh, we enjoyed the preaching. It was, very, uh, it was very biblical. It was very practical for us. And so, you know, we loved it, and, and, uh, and, and, we, and we kept coming back for a couple weeks. And however... Uh, we, it probably took maybe two to three months of coming on Sundays, feeling a little awkward, feeling like we didn't know a lot of people, maybe having a few conversations before uh, we decided to, to join a community group. And at this time, there was kind of a women's group that was going on at that particular time. So Kaylin jumped in that one. And so then I started going to a community group by myself. And so uh, it was, it was after we started to invest ourselves into a community group where we actually really started to feel like we were part of the family and we felt like we were really starting to get plugged in with people and we weren't just kind of showing up on a Sunday and making small talk, but we were actually, we actually felt like family and we were starting to live with people. And, and that's honestly why we're here today. I would say that if it wasn't for our community groups here at Origins, we probably would not be at Origins today. And I would say for my life specifically, if it, was, if it were just not for small groups, period, community groups, period, I might not be in any church today, just to be completely honest. Um, because if I was just relying on Sundays, those are great, but I don't think it would have kept me. I don't think I would have stuck in the church, in the Christian church, if it weren't for uh, community groups. Um, because honestly, the best way to know each other and the best way to be known and the best way to know others um, is through community groups. Um, if you, and honestly, the, the, the sad but honest truth is that if you come to this church or any church, honestly, for more than six months or so and you have not plugged into a community group, there's a really good chance you probably won't come back. Um, because honestly, there's only so much stuff we can do in this one hour where you can feel like you are a part of something, where you can feel like you are part of a family and it keeps you coming back. Sundays are great, 
but I don't think they're good enough to, to, uh, to help you invest and help you get to a point to where you feel like you are part of a family. Um, and so, you know, you can do like a lot of people do and you kind of, you know, bounce from church to church looking for a place um, and fail to feel like family and fail to feel connected uh, because you don't, you're not in a small group of people that are going to love you, that are going to hear about your crap and you can hear their crap and you can have accountability and prayer and, and just have, have that small body of people that are going to be checking in on you, going to be asking you about your life. And, and so that's just incredibly important. And, and having people that you know are going to pray for you and, and come around you. And, and hard times, the things that you're able to endure when life sets in, having people that are going to be able to champion you through that. And then to be on the other side of that, to be a part of somebody else's life, somebody's just maybe life's just falling apart for them and you get to play a role in praying for them and, and, and loving them and serving them into a place where you know, the Lord can do a huge work in their life. Um, but it's, it's a sacrifice. Uh, I've, it's interesting because I've heard sacrifice. When you think of sacrifice, you think of giving something up, um, and it, and it kind of just feels like a loss. But I don't know if something can truly be a sacrifice if, if the result of that sacrifice is, you know, better. You know, if, if what you're getting in return of that sacrifice is truly a sacrifice is what you're getting in return is even better. And the result is better. Um, but we'll call it a sacrifice. It is. As a community group leader, as, as a pastor of this church, I will confess to you that a lot of weeks, I wouldn't say a lot of weeks, but some weeks, I don't want to go to community group. I don't want to facilitate a discussion. I don't really want to talk to people. I would rather just stay home. That, and, and I confess that to you. A lot of times, I don't want to go. And I know a lot of times, you don't want to go but there's never been a time where I have regretted going. Every time I leave community group, I leave feeling filled, I leave feeling encouraged and challenged, and there's never a day where we pull out of community group and I regret going. And in fact, I probably feel bad over the fact that I didn't want to go in the first place. So it is a sacrifice. Um, if, if you're not in a group, um, I would encourage you to, to find a group. Um, bounce around, find a couple groups, find one that works for your schedule, find one that works for, you know, your family or you specifically. Uh, there are opportunities. You can go on our website at originsgreenville.org, click on connect, find community groups. There's a list of them there that has um, the night of the week. Uh, most of them have an address, and then you have a link where you can email that community group facilitator directly. Email them, ask some questions if you want. Um, or just email them and say, hey, I want to come tonight. You can get more information, and then once you do that, go. Show up and enjoy it and, um, and see what God can do and see what God can do when he takes your life and takes a community group. Um, I promise that you won't regret it. Um, so pray about that, uh, but at the same time, I think it's already commanded of us, and so it doesn't take a lot of prayer. I think it just takes more action and stepping out and doing that. And so, um, man, I would encourage you guys, find a community group and jump in. Uh, they are open. You don't have to wait till the end of a semester. Dive in. You'll get caught up, and you're going to find a group of people that honestly want to love you and know you and, and pray for you and challenge you in your walk with Christ. That's all I have. I don't know who's next. 
Nicole. Nicole's going to come and share a little bit about uh, something else that you can get plugged into, something good, I'm sure. Sure. Awesome. Good morning, y'all. I don't really like microphones. I feel more nervous with that than if I just used my camp counselor voice and yelled at y'all. Um, but I am so, so thankful for what the Lord is doing here at Origins and how I've been able to get plugged in, um, organizing all the volunteers. And I'm excited to challenge y'all um, and echo a little bit about what Matthew preached this morning. Um, just that you can get super involved here in the mornings, setting up with the kids, um, making sure that the rooms are divided up for them for the classrooms. If y'all don't have kids and you never been back there, I encourage you to kind of peek your head in and see what all goes on to making that possible for our kids here to hear the gospel. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, you have these little cards under your seats. They're every other chair, because I know some of y'all filled them out last year. If you have an address change or anything, you can definitely fill it out so we can have that information. Um, but if you are interested in serving after I explain these little positions, fill it out, and then um, let's just say leave it on the info table in the back, and then we'll collect them after the service is over. But um, if you are a detailed-oriented person, you like making things look pretty. You like being a hostess. Some people are very skilled with that, man and woman. Um, you would be awesome at making coffee in the mornings and setting it out and setting out all the information table stuff. Um, and if you like kids, Ashley's going to talk a little bit more about that, but you would be great to work in the back back there. And that's one of the boxes you can t check on here. If you like computers, this is very low level, but you might be great at changing the slides and setting all that up. So... Um, just take a second and think about how you can even do a little bit more. If you call Origins home, I really want to encourage you to think about, even if it's just once every couple of months, um, you can write on the back here, like, I don't want to serve every other week, Nicole. Like, let me know <laughs> that you don't want to be pushed to your limit, but maybe you want to serve once a month, or maybe you can only serve um, the second week of the month every year. Um, and then also thinking about, like, just how there are no small parts of the kingdom of God. It's all just furthering the gospel. So you might think that it's not that big of a deal for you to be here on time and set up these things, but it really makes a difference when our um, pastors aren't really stressed out in the morning because we're where we need to be and serving. So I think that's all I have to say. If you have any questions about any of these roles, let me know. And um, I hope many of you will sign up if you're not already. Thanks, guys. She's got a baby. Hey, I was in the babies today, loving on some, or just one, <laughs> but hopefully we're going to have some new babies back there, and we're going to need more volunteers back there, um, but I will always take a chance to love on a baby. Um, so I'm Ashley, I'm the children's mystery director, and back there we have five classes, um, oh, five classes. Uh, we have two worship services geared specifically towards the age groups. Um, so the elementary age has a kid worship, and the younger preschool and toddlers have a little worship service. And um, we check them in. Um, I like to do that because I like to see new faces, but um, that's a great opportunity to just, like, meet new families. If you're a friendly face to, and you're you are able to maneuver on the computer. That's an area where um, it would be really easy to serve um, just to help out back there. The babies, um, just holding babies, the toddlers are more of a 
um, they play a lot. <laughs> They're very mobile. And um, so just playing, and um, there's, like, some coloring sheets back there. And then the preschool room, they have a little more of um, a craft and an activity, and they're starting to learn um, about the Bible at, at their level. And they go to the worship service. Um, and then the lower elementary and the upper elementary, they are thriving and, and yearning for the word. Um, they are dealing with some stuff in school, and they need to know how to lean on Jesus for um, comfort, for help, for to be fearless, um, to help get them through school. So they need some good examples, some men and women that um, are ready to pour into them, to get to know them, to send them postcards, to just um, invest in them. So if you have kids, you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. I want you back there. <laughs> I need you back there. Um, I'd like typically for everybody to volunteer like once a month, but on the months that we have a fifth Sunday, we tend to, um, I have to double up, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to um, work my volunteers. I just want them to be in, like come in, love on the kids, um, hang out with them once a month. That would be great because um, I know um, everybody's busy. So, um, I typically schedule everybody, and then where there's gaps, I fill in. So you'll rarely see me out here because <laughs> I'm back there a lot. So um, we definitely have a need back there. Um, everybody is background checked, um, and we create a very safe environment back there. Um, we have a curriculum, so everything's planned out. You don't really have to do much, but just read the story. Make sure you're up to date on what the story is about if you're in one of those classrooms who's teaching, and um, provide um, the activities that that I provide for you. So it's super easy. Um, well, we also have like a VBS that's going to be um, coming up this summer that I need lots of hands for um, and that I will only be able to do if I have hands. So I hope that we can show up for that event. And then a parents night I like to do um, twice a year. And just to give parents a chance to go on a date and not have to pay for uh, a babysitter, a chance that we as believers can love on our, the children of our families and, um, and play games with them, and they can all get together and play because they love to play. So after the service, sometimes they'll be, you know, wrestling back there, and I'm like, wait, no, this is not a church. Um, let's wait. Let's hang out and get together. So that gives them a chance to play and, and, and hang out. So those, those are the, some of the things that are going on back there. Yes, I agree. If you haven't been back there, just walk through, get a chance to see what it's all about. Um, you'll fall in love, I know. So, who's next? Thanks, Ashley. All right, since uh, Stephen picked all the fruit off the tree, I'm going to make this pretty quick. Um, no, that was, that was a joke. Um, so, I'm actually going to piggyback a little bit off of um, what Stephen said. Um, what we do is really just... Uh, in worship is is just an overflow of what's going on through the week. Um, I know there's some, probably some closet musicians out there that uh, haven't revealed themselves. Um, but if you are interested in getting involved with the worship team, uh, obviously something that we look for is someone who is um, worshiping God through their life. Um, so that's very important. Uh, and if you would like to get involved with music, please just uh, see me, let me know, and we'll set something up to, uh, to get you involved. So that's about it.
Good morning. Um, I'm going to talk to you all about Guatemala. Um, and we have our next mission trip uh, set for November, uh, kind of the same week where we went uh, last year. And this is a partnership, if you are new and don't know much about this, this is a partnership with Food for the Hungry. And um, we, a lot of you, raise your hands if you sponsor a child. A lot of you have partnered with a child in Guatemala where you're able to send letters. They mail you back letters and um, actually have a nice little drawing of somebody's in here. But um, you're just able to be their friend and encourage them. And you all can't see that. Um, but it, it is about loving on them and letting them know that they're not alone, that we love them, that God loves them. Um, and encouraging them and what they're doing in their community, um, in their churches. Um, and so when we go this November, we will, um, you'll be able to, if you have a sponsor child and you go, you can go and meet that child and their family. Um, and we uh, went and visited, I think, 10 or 11 last year. I don't remember. Um, so that's always a highlight uh, of our time there. Uh, we will probably do some sort of construction project. We do VBS. Um, and um, this year, we're in the beginning stages and thinking about maybe doing uh, some sewing classes. Uh, they have um, a market on Mondays where they go and either sell their food that they grow at their homes or um, that they make. And so uh, maybe teaching them how to make pot holders where they can just something simple that they'll be able to reproduce on their own after we leave. So um, just looking at that, some pastor leadership training, that kind of thing. So if you want to go, please come and talk to me. Um, I have uh, a little handout that I can give you if you're interested or if you want to sponsor a child and you haven't yet. I'd love to talk to you about that, too. Um, and... Uh, we do our um, golf tournament is scheduled for May 5th. I'm sure you've heard about that already. So we'll be needing people to play and people, if you uh, own a business or know people who do, uh, we need sponsorships for that and, uh, and then some volunteers for that day. So um, there's a lot of fun stuff going on. And if you have questions, let me know. other trip too we've got a boston trip coming up july the 4th through the 11th like the best details i can give you uh to boston serving with mosaic jamaica plains which is a partner church up there that's planting um you'll get to have july 4th this is the selling points right here uh you can experience july the 4th on boston harbor uh that night see the fireworks on the harbor with like auto park you know uh boston harbor will worship with uh those guys on sunday morning and then we'll launch into a week of like sports camps and some other camps. So if you're not an athlete, that's okay. Uh, there are opportunities for other people that aren't athletes. About 800 bucks uh, plus the cost of a few meals. Um, man, we're going to close in a song and in uh, communion. Don't worry about rushing. We're fine. If you need to leave, we understand. Um, like if you need to beat the line to the Grubhub, that's fine. Uh, but we're going to be okay. Uh, we're going to do one more song. But here's, here's communion for us as a church. Uh, it's an open table. Anyone is, th is free to take communion. Here, here's what scripture says. Uh, you need to know Jesus. Okay, you needed to have given your life to Christ. You've needed to have abandoned your sin in favor of him. We talked about that this morning. If you've done that, qualification one, you've met. Here's the second thing. Uh, you need to be in good standing with Jesus too. 
Um, and so it's just, if there's, if there's sin that's sitting in your life that's unconfessed, uh, you need to sit there and deal with that. If it's too big for you to deal with on your own, I'd love to talk to you about that, Stephen, uh, our wives. It, it, there's several people here, but you can deal with that. You can even deal with it on your own. And here, here it is. Uh, God, this is what I've done. I know it's not what you want. I don't want to do it anymore. Uh, can you help me with that? Can you take that away? It's called confession, repentance. We turn from that. Uh, so we need to be followers of Jesus, and there doesn't need to be sin just resting in our life. Let's get rid of that. Um, so while we're worshiping uh, at your leisure, you can stand up and go back there and, and grab a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and take it there. Um, and when we do this, it's to remember that Christ's body was broken for us on our behalf. His blood was spilled because we couldn't take care of our own stuff, but he could. But also, it's celebration. We're looking forward to the fact that he's coming back, and he's just going to wipe the slate, and it's going to be awesome. So today we remember, we celebrate, and we get to do it as a family. So it's win, win, win. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll worship. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for Jesus. Uh, we thank you that through Jesus we can have victory, like big V victory. Thank you so much. Uh, God, today I thank you that you are worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our sacrifice. You're worthy of our lives being placed on the altar. Uh, that is Jesus. And so, God, thank you for that. I pray, God, for the heart uh, the soul that was sitting here that can openly confess that they do not know you, that they are not united with you for, through eternity, uh, by grace, through faith. God, today I pray that your spirit would be loud, would be clear, that it would convict them to the point that they just say, I give up. Uh, God, take it. Take me. Um, move today, God. Thank you that your body of Jesus was broken for us and his blood was spilled on our behalf. Uh, today, let us celebrate well. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.